Hey y'all! Welcome back to Ray of Light TV Podcast. And thank you guys for joining me for another episode of Soul Care Sunday. I have so many nuggets of wisdom to share with you guys today and I'm so excited. So, what's been up guys? It's June. <laughs> like, what the what? Like, it's June. It's crazy. It's hot outside, like I'm feeling the abundance of God on this month. I'm standing on Tiffany and Montgomery saying, you know, June must bloom. I'm growing. I'm thriving. How are you guys? Like, let's just do a little check-in. How is everything going today? For me personally, and I know everybody has their own, like, favorite season of the year, but I think that my, like, most favorite season is definitely summer. First of all, because it's warm outside, like I need my vitamin D, like I love being out in the sun, I love feeling the warmth of my body, on sitting on my back porch with the sun beating down on me. Also, I love the freedom and the leniency that I give myself in the summer. I think sometimes it's really hard for us um, women, black women, you know, you know, high achieving women. To find time to really give ourselves a break and say, you know what, it's okay to just chill today. Or you don't have to do anything crazy. Like, it's the summer. That's my excuse. <laughs> and um, as I work on giving myself more grace, I feel that the summer is just full of that grace and abundance and just, you know, love. So I truly love the summer. And I hope everyone else Um, is enjoying their summer too. I hope you get to do some fun things this summer. Uh, A lot of the bands are lifting. I hope you guys get to travel. Um, I definitely plan on traveling um, a little bit this summer. And I also have a few other things planned. So let's get into the podcast. So I don't know what you guys have been doing in your free time or if you have been keeping up with the Netflix original series, um, but I have. (laughs) And um, there's this one series that I've been watching on Netflix called High on the Hog. And it is a journey through African-American cuisine and its influence on American culture. And it got me thinking, well, what is black food? And in what ways does this food evoke a story and correctly showcase our culture? So let's start the discussion. That's your pose question for today. What do you guys think about the question I pose? When I talk about food, what does it mean to you? Is it just something we do to live? Is it more? Should it be more? Like, what do y'all think? So... According to Oxford Dictionary, um, food is defined as any substance that people or animals eat or drink or plants absorb in order to maintain life and growth. But as we all know, food tells a much richer story than that. Food is heavily intertwined with our reality and the things we eat act to narrate the places that we've been or the places that we wish to go. Food itself can also be used as a check-in to navigate different stages in our life. When we are trying to save money, the food that we eat is reflected in the groceries we buy and prepared in our own homes instead of food that we would buy from an outside vendor. When different situational crises arise in our lives, such as iron deficiency anemia for myself, the food that I personally eat tells a story of my reality through 
iron rich, iron rich green leafy vegetables or fruits rich in folic acid, more orange juice in my drink, red apples. Food reflects a story. When life takes over and does only what life can do, and it doesn't seem like we have enough time to prepare our meals in our own home, our DoorDash histories reflect that same story. I challenge you all in your next meal to think about the story that the food you're consuming is telling. Is this an accurate depiction of your reality? And do these realities overall align with your goals? See, the conversation that I hosted on my podcast last Sunday was extremely important because many people do not recognize how much their mindset plays into their diet. While many people that they're eat, many people think that their eating choices are just meaningless and that they may be slapping something together per se, the food you eat is actually just the autopilot narration of your life. We must begin to shift the relationship that we have with food in order to be proactive and fully engaged in our health, minds, and bodies. Coming off autopilot is vital for success. I believe that the first main point that needs to be addressed is shifting the relationship that we have with food. So I present to you the new mom analogy. So you guys know the game commercials that we all see where the mom, when they have their first child, they're like super hyper proactive and trying to keep them safe. They don't let them near the laundry detergent. They don't let them have too many sweets. They basically guard them with their life. When they have the second child, however, you know, they're a little less lenient. And by the third child, God bless, because that baby is getting little to no attention at all. I believe that our diets tell a similar story. And many of us are at the point of the third child. We feed our bodies whatever they desire at the moment and just pray that they will turn out fine. But I believe that as we age and develop from that stage of our parents guarding our health into us beginning to take care of our own health and even our families, we must guard our health and what we are teaching with that same diligence and care. Because although we age, the principles are still the same. So about two weeks ago, I was hit with an epiphany at my job. Life is not an oxymoron. As much as we try to make it, it's pretty simple. Good food should not be bad for your body. And good food should not be an excuse to be bad to your body. This is one of the most common excuses I hear for women breaking their diets or choosing to eat fat, greasy, quick food over something more sustainable. I also believe that Pace matters. I'm always saying to myself throughout the day, Ray, pace yourself. It's not a race. I'm just trying to sustain. And as developing women, I think the goal is to shift over time from diet to lifestyle. You know how many people say from religion to relationship? It's the same thing. What we're looking for is something more sustainable. 
And for most of us, including myself, strict regimens in which I can only eat certain things for a period of time does not work for me or my body. I much prefer small incremental changes that lead to a prolonged lifestyle. Let me give you an example. For me, this can be reflected in the small things such as going to buy a water bottle from Family Dollar. So I get the water bottle, I continue filling it up for the day so I'm less tempted to consume sugary or carbonated drinks, and then after about three days, I am naturally choosing the water. I leave space and grace for the fall when one day I may want a lemonade, but I'm still developing a a routine in my life that will produce habit. That's what it's really about, producing habit. So that our bodies begin to take on this natural routine. It's about abundance and lifestyle over sabotage, which is something I believe diet can be. So I would encourage you ladies to do a little research on how much weight women actually lose on diets based on racial demographics. That's your homework. And I want you guys to DM me in the comments and tell me back what you think. Because after you look at the numbers, after you look at the demographics, I think most of y'all will want these little small incremental changes over diet too. (laughs) So in this conversation of race, I want to introduce you to this final idea called blackening your diet, which is going to be the title of this episode. And I believe this is extremely interesting because when you hear this, when you probably heard this, your primary connotation is probably negative. Thinking that I'm talking about soul food or any other meal that contributes to cardiovascular disease and the overall deterioration of your body. But nope. As we move into this phase of the podcast, I want you to leave your assumptions at the door because that all changes here with an interesting article from Oprah.com that had nothing to do with black food as we know it, and here's why. So the article reads, Leafy greens get all the antioxidant glory, but black color foods can also be loaded with health-promoting compounds. Research suggests that, and Lord be with me as I say this word, anthocyanins, Pigments abundant in black, blue, and purple whole foods may help lower your risk of heart disease and certain types of cancer, and even make your skin glow. Here, registered dietitians Stephanie Clark and Willow Jarosh share five nutritious, deeply delicious (laughs) ways to blacken your diet. So the first one that I want to to introduce you guys to is the black sesame seed. So the black sesame seed, which you can probably find at your whole food vendor, or maybe even if you go to like an indigenous market, sometimes if you're in Cleveland, they can be on the west side or in Tremont, um, or even if they're having like a cultural food showing, you can probably find these here. Um, So these black sesame seeds are loaded with antioxidants, even more so than their white counterparts. (laughs) So even in food, (laughs) let me stop. All right. Number two, the black mission figs. Black mission figs are sweet and jammy. 
You can put these on spreads for bread, bagels in the morning, anything. And they offer a healthy dose of bone boosting minerals. So for all of my, you know, lovely ladies, men, people, family who are struggling with things such as arthritis, brittle bones, hard back, increase the black mission figs in your diet. It's it's actually for bones. And it also says, plus, dry figs have less sugar than raisins or dates. Moving to number three, black garlic, which is something y'all are saying. Let me tell you something about this black diet. Never in my life have I ever heard of anything called black garlic. (laughs) Um, But black garlic is high in allicin, which is great for your heart. I know that you guys have heard that garlic is good for your heart. And when I say garlic, I also want to specify that I'm not talking about the garlic that you buy um, in the cans, the little, you know, garlic with the blue top. I'm talking about fresh peeled garlic that you got to crack with the spoon, slice, dice, and mince, put into your food. That's the type of garlic I'm talking about. But they have black garlic. And they say that this is even better for your heart. And it even includes a less milder taste for those who do not enjoy garlic's, you know, strong, overarching taste. So that's something that I would definitely want y'all to try and something that I'm going to be trying myself. Number four, black rice. How many of y'all have heard of black rice? Literally, I've never heard of it a day in my life. <laughs> but they have black rice. Um, and for you for you guys who do watch High on the Hog, um, in the first episode when he was in West Africa, um, they were just showing how rich the continent and the country, the, 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 excuse me, the region of West Africa is in rice. It is abundant in rice. And the fact that they have black rice is even more fascinating. Um, number five, black mushrooms, black mushrooms. I know that when I was on my plant-based vegan journey, mushrooms were like life-saving. You can slice and dice them. You can roast them. You can put them in soups. You can put like mushrooms are that girl. Like mushrooms are the it girl. Um, and it says that shiitakes, shiitake mushrooms may boost immunity, but black trumpets, which are what the black mushrooms are called, and I don't know about y'all saints, but <laughs> I want to eat something that is called the black trumpet. <laughs> it says that black trumpets pack more energizing vitamin B12 than other types. Um, this is a study in 2012 that was done, and it's rich in B12, um, and it's excellent for you. It says you can try, you can saute black trumpets in oil and serve over lentils or beef up into ground meat. (laughs) Excellent. Um, So with those five new black foods, and I encourage you to do some more research because I only gave you five, but five turns into 30 and 30 turns into a, a real rich black diet, okay? So I rest my case that a black diet can be healthy if you are consuming it in the correct ways. I would really encourage you all to try some of the veggies that I listed above. And um, I may even make a little list on Instagram. I I really, guys at heart, I really am a nerd. And I love making these lists. I love sharing them with you guys. I love giving you new perspective, fresh perspective, healthy perspective, and promoting life. It's one of my spiritual gifts. So I love doing it for you guys. And I want you guys really to begin incorporating more black and blue foods into your diet. 
and keep them in your diet because we are promoting a lifestyle agenda that gives grace to slip-ups but promotes the most abundant life possible. This is the true definition of a rich diet. I hope you guys enjoyed the fruitful discussion that we had today. Before I wrap it up, you know I want to end it with a real nice video, get some audio, some good audio quality for you. Um, so I was doing a little bit of research on black vegan chefs and what their food means to them. And I just want to bring in um, one, one audio that I had, and I want you guys to take a listen and tell me what you think. Hey y'all, I'm Tabitha Brown. I am an actress and I'm a vegan food influencer. I've been vegan for two and a half years. On a personal note, veganism means a healthier life, a happier life, a cruelty-free life. I used to think of veganism. When I would hear about it, I would say, oh, people who do that, honestly, God, I thought only white people did it. I was like, I had never met another black vegan. When I was young, I would hear about it and be like, I think as I got a little bit older, I used to think, oh, it's for hardcore animal activists. As I got more well-traveled, I started thinking, oh, veganism is it's actually kind of for the cool kids. But then I, I also would think it's kind of judgy. Sometimes I'm a little bit afraid of it, to be honest. So how did I eat growing up? Well, I'm originally from Eden, North Carolina. I'm a small town country girl. And baby, I ate everything. When I think about what I ate with my granddaddy and my great granddaddy, I'd be like, Lord, how in the world am I still here? So my dad instilled in me and my sister that you eat what is there, okay? Because this is what we have. So honey, I ate whatever was in front of me. So child, we ate pork, beef, whatever. But I was always very open with food. I would try anything. I done ate squirrel and <laughs> turtle and <laughs> Jesus. Honey, possum, and oh Lord, honey, don't don't judge me, okay? But that's how I grew up, because my great-granddaddy would hunt, and then I would go to his house, and you know, he would take me to farms and stuff, and I would eat whatever. That's how I grew up. Comfort food, to me, is whatever feels good going in, and while it's in, it still feels good. Like, you still feel full, and and you, you have a good feeling about yourself. Macaroni and cheese is a good comfort food. Favorite non-vegan meals, baby seafood. Good old crab leg. Oh, a lobster tail. Come on, shrimp. Dip it in the butter. Dip it in the butter. Ooh, and garlic. <laughs> That's my, my my guilty pleasure. And that good old seafood. Just, mm. That's how I have to eat it now. But I found lobster mushrooms and baby. Seasoned right. <laughs> they do the trick. What made me decide to go vegan was I was very sick for a, a year and seven months. I had this resting headache. I had woke up one morning with this pain in the back of my neck. The pain in the back of my neck was normal to me because I had a, a car accident when I was in high school. I would have sometimes what they call a crook in your neck when you can't move, you know, your, your neck stuck to one side. I would have that so often. But this particular morning, it was in the back of my neck and the pain moved up into the back of my head and it rested there for one year and seven months. That headache became almost debilitating on some days where I could not you know, walk well. My vision would become blurred. I, I just started having chronic pain throughout my body. All my lady parts started to shut down. It was just a very bizarre time. And I had chronic fatigue. I would lay in my bed all day long after I would get up enough strength to take my kids to school in the morning. And I would come back home and I would lay back down until it was time to pick them up. 
I was just exhausted all the time. I was sad and I was depressed and I had major panic attacks and anxiety. As the days went on, I just felt like I was getting sicker and sicker. I would go to the doctors and tell them my symptoms. They could not figure it out. I felt like I was dying. I gotta make sure I look like I'm feeling all right because I don't want my kids and my husband to wear it. So I would still post pictures and try to do videos and even maybe show up to a short film or, you know, try to go and do like a little work or something if, if I could and be literally in so much pain that it was just very hard. A year and seven months of that and my daughter came home from school one day and she said, uh, Mom, we saw this documentary at school. I think you should watch it. And it was what the hell. And my husband and I, we all sat down together, we watched it, and I was like, oh wow, this is very interesting. What got me is that when they were talking about diseases are not hereditary, that we eat the same thing, causing the same disease. And for me, you know, my mom um, died at 51, and she had ALS. And my dad is 68, he's the oldest male to live in the family. And a lot of my aunts and uncles and family members die very young of heart attacks and strokes and, you know, rare sicknesses. To me, meat was the common denominator. And I thought to myself, well, I haven't tried that, right? And they were talking about plant-based eating on what the hell. And so I told my husband, well, I've tried all the dummy drugs, all the guinea pig drugs that the doctors have given me over this last year and a half, and nothing has worked. If I've tried all that stuff, and I can at least try to do this vegan thing for 30 days and see if it make, you know, make me feel better. And so we decided uh, as a family to do a 30-day vegan challenge. And on day 10, my headaches went away. I remember I was walking through my kitchen and I was like, my head ain't hurting. I started feeling better from that day. I started getting my energy back. I started just feeling like myself again. On day 29, I told my husband, I said, I think this is my plan. I'm going vegan. He looked at me and said, and I think tomorrow I'm going to need a piece of chicken. I was like, <laughs> it's been two and a half years. I have never felt better in my life. I'm so very thankful that I made that decision for myself. And I never tried to force it on anybody else. I always tell people, whatever you decide, whether you're trying to go vegan or pescatarian or you're just trying to make better choices, what is your why? And if your why is true to you, if it really means something to you, you'll stick with it. Some facts I would like everybody to know about going vegan is it's not expensive. I used to think that too, but I'll tell you what is expensive. The processed foods, like fake foods, fake meats and stuff like that, that can get expensive. But if you are buying whole food ingredients, your mushrooms, your potatoes, your rice, your beans, your carrots, your greens, Things like that, it's cheap. Honey, you get a big bag of rice for $2. Okay, you get a big bag of potatoes for 3 Real plants, real fruits, real grains, real seeds, real nuts. It's not expensive. Another fact, it's got to be a personal decision. You make it for yourself, whatever that reason is, and don't force it on anyone else. Just let it be personal. A lot of times, people don't do that, um, and it kind of pulls people away from being vegan. There has been a lot of judgment and we need to judge less and love more. After the 30 days of me going vegan, I was so excited about it because I was feeling good. And I, I understand that I had a different experience than most people because I had been sick for so long and I finally found something that was working for me. So I never looked at it like a challenge. I never looked at it like it was hard. I looked at it like, oh my God, this thing is saving my life. But I remember thinking of all my favorite non-vegan foods 
thinking, oh, how can I make those things vegan? And it became fun for me. And I was excited to try new recipes and figure things out. You know, it was just discovering a new me. I had this, this whole new joy. And those things started happening in the, the first couple months. And it still happens now. Two and a half years, I still say I'm a new vegan. Two and a half years is, is like a, a toddler who's just starting to get a personality. I'm still discovering, honey, new mushrooms, honey, new herbs and spices, because I ain't a chef, but I do love to cook. First couple months, they were like an adventure. I think if you are going to make a choice for yourself to be vegan, then make your choice. But I always tell people, don't be hard on yourself. Make sure you know your why. If your why is true to you, it keeps you focused, it keeps you going. But if you happen to slip up, don't beat yourself up over it. Relax. It's okay. Honey, it's day by day. I don't judge anybody else that say, oh, girl, I ate. I, I messed around and ate a piece of chicken. Or, oh, I, I ate some real butter. Honey, that's your business. As long as you can admit it and be real with yourself and know that you had a moment, but you back on track, have your moment and get back on track. I think the worst thing in the world is for somebody to admit what they did and for you to attack them for doing it. What, what good is that going to do? Help them come back over by encouraging them. Do I think that being vegan is a reasonable diet for everyone? I don't know. I know it worked for me, okay? I know I have thousands of people who follow me who have transformed their lives. I know I have hundreds, if not thousands, of success stories in my inbox of people who were diabetic, who are no longer diabetic after going vegan. People who had high blood pressure who no longer have high blood pressure. People who had all different types of ailments in their body who no longer have those things after they went vegan or plant-based or whatever you want to call it. So I know that it works. Is it for everybody? Maybe not. But does it work? Absolutely. I always tell people, listen to your body. Whatever feels right for you, you do that. That's your business. It feels right for me. So I'll continue to do it for me. That's all I can really say about that. If you're interested in a plant-based diet, I say Try it for 30 days. Give it your all for 30 days and see how it works for you. I took a 30-day challenge that changed my life. It changed my health and my will. <laughs> I always tell people that because I, I didn't work for over a year. It literally changed my entire life for the better. And people who are completely against it, I can't, I can't tell you nothing. I can only say, don't judge a book by the cover. If you're looking at a book, and uh, it, it looks crazy, the cover looks crazy, honey, it might just be the wrong author. Honey, sometimes you gotta become the author of your own book and then try it out and see if the pages turn a little bit different. But don't judge. You can be against it, but just don't be judgmental. And let us just all live in love, in perfect harmony together. That's all I got. I'm Tabitha Brown, honey, I absolutely love you. Thank you, thank you for listening to my story. Now, Go about your business. Honey, have the most amazing day. But even if you can't have a good one, don't you dare go messing up nobody else's him. Love y'all. Bye.